Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. Well, hello, I am Dr. Natasha Washington here uh, with Desiree Bradley, my co-host. Hello. <laughs> the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, where we talk with top healthcare leaders, transformation leaders, and patient partners about what's going on in healthcare. Well, today we have Dr. Jeremy Wise here of Rise 25 who has done thousands of interviews with top organizations, and we've flipped the script a little bit. So he's going to be interviewing us. Hey, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited. I'm always excited to talk to both of you, but especially about this topic, we're going to talk about the theory of change for an equitable patient-centered measurement ecosystem and talk about why you decided to go down this path and who are some of the collaborators with you. Because I know um, before we jump into it, this episode is brought to you by ATW Health Solutions. And I know ATW Health Solutions, you guys are a Chicago-based healthcare advisory and consulting firm that's gained national recognition for transforming healthcare delivery systems from ordinary to best in class. I know you've worked with Northwestern Medicine, the Department of Defense, and so many more organizations. And if anyone has questions, you can go to atwhealth.com or email them at info at atwhealth.com today to learn more. And so let's start about with the you know theory of change for an equitable patient-centered measurement ecosystem. How and why did you just start on this journey with this uh, research? Well, um, I, I can you know get us uh, kicked off the uh, the short answer is, Dr. Wise, that we we realize that equity um, has not been front and center um, as it relates to um, our measurement system. Um, and uh, we also recognize that, uh, you know, given what we've learned uh, as an outgrowth from COVID-19, uh, given what we've learned um, that, uh, you know, the importance of uh, uh, disparities, uh, not just in healthcare, but even across other industries that, of course, impact the whole person, like the criminal justice system and what we saw happen with uh, George Floyd. 
we realize that, you know, there is an, uh, a real importance around ensuring that as we look to a more patient-centered measurement system, that we are also uh, working to ensure that that system uh, has equity uh, at the top of its priorities. And so that's really uh, the, the rationale behind the reason why it's, it's important for us to um, look at equity in patient-centered measurement. I was looking at, you know, the paper and it says black and brown patients continue to experience worse outcomes than white patients. And it was highlighted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Why do you think that is? What happened? What happened with COVID-19 that exposed all this? And and tell me about why. Well, well, let me just start by saying this has always been there. COVID-19, this didn't just kind of birth with COVID-19. What COVID-19 did was kind of shine a brighter light on this. This has historically been our healthcare system since the beginning of time. Let's just be honest and put it out there. But there's many different factors that, and the paper goes dig down deep into how we can shift the way we look at patient-centered measurement. But when you think about equity as a whole, there's many different social factors that go into play. There's access issues. If you live in a community and you don't have access to, I would say, good health care, what do you think your outcome is going to be? If you don't have an adequate pharmacy, because granted, if you think about community, pharmacies, depending upon what zip code they're in, they have different um, medicine classes. So if the patients don't have access to good health care, if they don't have access to, you know, healthy food, you know, there's so many, we can go in many different directions with this, but you start thinking about, you know, depending upon your zip code, health care can be a privilege. So, you know, what was interesting, you know, and I'll kind of jump ahead a little bit when you think about the paper. So we interviewed, I would say, over 40 different stakeholders in a healthcare system. So you think about healthcare leaders, community partners, CBOs, researchers, academia. We talked to everyone that's connected, patient partners that's connected to healthcare. And they all came back with the same rationale about power. Right. So what does power play into what drives what we measure in healthcare? And so what what drives the power? Funding, the money. And so we heard that from everyone, you know, in different ways. They said it in different ways, but this was like an overarching thing. So, you know, money, money plays a big role. Who we fund, how we fund, the way we do it, what we measure is all around the funding. And I kind of take a pause there. Natasha, what do you think? So I I think the the um, pieces that I would add to it is that our current health system, right? We recognize our current health system uh, really does not have a um, a consistent uh, approach uh, for really um, measuring uh, uh, disparity. So you know, um, oftentimes what we see whether it's um, a certain pieces of um, evidence via research or um, special projects, right? Uh, but as a requirement, our healthcare system, right, um, does, is not skilled um, adequately and does not focus on identifying disparities, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, be- because of this, uh, you know, there's also very little accountability um, mm-hmm. as it relates to 
you know, uh, disparities or, or less uh, equitable um, outcomes. And so, you know, for these reasons, uh, you know, there are major health disparities and, and racial inequities. So in other words, it's not it's, it, it, what, what I'm meaning to say is, is that um, the system's design, right, mm-hmm. Um, uh, does not adequately, from a transactional standpoint, uh, really create a healthcare delivery system that is equipped, designed, and then, like I said, um, has uh, levels of accountability uh, to ensure that we're working towards a progress in eliminating uh, um, uh, health disparities. And it's for that reason alone really, that we need to um, begin to just kind of fundamentally uh, peel, peel it back to your point, Desiree, and, and see where the opportunities exist for us to create a more equitable and patient well, The other thing, too, I want to add real quick is because you said something, accountability. You know, there are systems, you know, don't get me wrong, there are systems that are doing some good work but they're not necessarily collecting adequate data to support what they're doing. You know, there's a huge gap between data collection and an actual boots on the ground work that we're doing. And then we need to kind of bring that together and bring some accountability. So those organizations and health systems that aren't doing the work that they're required to report those disparity data. But right now they're really, everybody's kind of doing their own thing and no one, there's no uniform system for them to report that data. Because we know, as we know from our work with CMS, data drives the change. Yeah, and and to Desiree's point, uh, Dr. Wise, so, you know, if we truly are, um, you know, if we truly have entered into an era where it now, you know, is more front and center, uh, the fact that disparities exist, but to Desiree's point, you know, these types of disparities have always existed, right? But if we've now entered into an era where um, there seems to be more of a commitment around and an energy around uh, improving things because of what we saw um, uh, with with COVID-19 and continuously with COVID-19 and, and particular populations, then we have to take a systems approach Right to uh, in, improving all of this, and and the way we should begin to look at it is very simply put to Desiree's point: How are you using uh, key data like race, ethnicity, and and language data? Um, how are you using uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, data that also helps us to understand uh, social determinants and? and how social determinants impact um, outcomes. How are you, if you're collecting it, right, which most organizations are in some shape, form, or fashion, then how are you using it and how are you optimizing the use of it um, uh, to ensure that you're producing tools uh, that measure performance and progress? And so, you know, fundamentally, we believe that every single organization in this country has an opportunity to get in the game in a meaningful way as it relates to equity and measurement. And, and that's really the beginning. So when you go into an organization, um, do you help them execute on these things? Like a hospital organization, tell me a little bit more about what you do when you go into an organization. They're like, yes, this is a deep rooted problem. We need to get better. What's the next step? 
they call you and then what happens? Yeah, so our, our, our learning and our training really focuses on uh, helping organizations develop strategies um, that will get them um, uh, to, you know, this, this ultimate end. So, for example, uh, we work or have worked with organizations uh, to uh, strategically embed um, equity into their quality improvement plan, right? So every um, healthcare organization across the country, you know, has a quality improvement plan or quality improvement strategy. Uh, and we work with those leaders to help them uh, fully integrate uh, the precepts of equity into that work. And then from there, we also um, do learning and training around some of the specific areas in terms of, like I just talked about, race, ethnicity, and language data, um, implicit bias training. I mean, you know, there's a number of different types of, of learnings that we will partner with an organization on uh, to help advance them or to accelerate them in in that area. And then we also have a number of partners that we bring into the work that, for example, if you are an organization that um, is utilizing your race, ethnicity, and language data, uh, but the quality of that data um, has not been uh, uh, very good, and, and that is the case with many uh, healthcare organizations, or uh, I should say healthcare delivery organizations, then there are partners that we bring in that work specifically uh, with your uh, front end uh, business folks, as well as your IT department to get those, um, to get those systems, you know, uh, nice and and, um, and and perfected in, in some way. And so there's a number of different strategies, right, that we help organizations deploy. And even um, to some degree, just bring awareness to the issue. Uh, you know, quite, quite honestly, most organizations do not know where to start uh, when it comes to this particular issue. And so um, uh, that's really our job is to help our partner uh, to do that exploratory work. That's exactly, Dr. Washington, that's exactly what I wrote down on my paper as I'm thinking about when I'm listening to both of you is like, how do these organizations even know where to begin? Good thing you do what you do because there's so many, that's right, like you said, there's so many different pathways and avenues you could take this in. And um, I want to hear about, you know, you had uh, amazing organizations and some contributors to this. I want you to, I want to highlight a few and what you learned from them or or their contribution um, before I I ask you that, you know, about the Kelly Goodsons and John Scanlon and some of the other organizations, any that you want to highlight. I want to encourage people to go to atwhealth.com. You can find their paper on this, The Theory of Change for an Equitable Patient-Centered Measurement Ecosystem that Supports an Advanced Healthcare System. And some of the really tough questions that they answer, we can't, we don't, we can't go into super, you know, super deep with everything, but, you know, Desiree, you mentioned this. What is the path to shifting the power of measurement away from entrenched interests within healthcare towards patients, families, and their communities? These are some of the questions. Um, why are we not seeing the improvement on paper? Just some of the questions that they answer in this paper. So I encourage you to go to their website, check out the, the full paper. Um, talk about some of the 
collaboration, the you know the the partners, the organizations, and and some of the things you learned from them. Yeah. So um, obviously, there's a there a you know plethora of organizations that we had to tap into in order to um, you know begin to to validate much of you know what we um, had uh, created as a as a framework. And starting with um, AIR, right, as our collaborating partner who, who actually bought us into their work on patient-centric measurements. So AIR um, has been one of the front-running leaders nationally uh, that has continued this conversation around how do we ensure that our measurement system uh, is more patient-centered uh, and uh, they, I would also encourage um, our listeners to go and check out AIRs. It's American uh, Research Institutes um, uh, dot org. So if you go to AIR.org, uh, check out their web page and the work that they've done. There's a number of case studies uh, that they have um, uh, created uh, by virtue of, of their uh, research that demonstrate how we can move to a more patient-centered measurement uh, system. And and that's in essence um, saying that we create a measurement system that is meaningful to both providers and to patients as well, right? To patients and caregivers. So that that that's really important. And then, um, you know, just really, uh, you know, bringing in other organizations uh, that own measurement, quite frankly, you know, in the United States. So, you know, NCQA, uh, the National Quality Forum, NQF, uh, we talked to a number of measures development companies. Uh, so organizations that uh, have employee researchers on a regular basis to develop measures um, and uh we uh, also talked to, to, Desert, to Desiree's point, um, you know, even patient partners in this. So for us, we like to level the playing field to ensure that we have an all-encompassing stakeholder, um, uh, you know, um, a voice uh, pulled together in, in that it be a unified voice, but that it also represents uh, diversity and inclusion. And so there were a number of different, you know, key organizations, national key organizations, uh, PCORI and others uh, that um, were a part of uh, this development. I don't want to age either of you. You've been both really experienced and <laughs> been doing this for decades. Um, but what were some surprises? Were any surprises that came out of this? I'll be real honest with you. I, I don't, Desiree. Did you find? Uh, <laughs> did you find a surprise? And, and, and let me like this: when we were first asked to do this work, uh, we were actually asked to develop a framework. Right? We were asked to develop, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, just because of my personality and because of the way we feel uh, perspectives need to be postured, we did not collectively as an organization feel um, that we should develop a framework, although we definitely know this as, uh, you know, on an expert mm -hmm. level. 
that we should de- develop a framework that then would be, you know, advanced nationally without really being vetted, right, by others um, that collaborate with us, right, or by others that are in this space with us. And so the pathway that we decided to take was to go to our peers uh, mm-hmm. and go to other subject matter experts and to go to, like I said, you know, the organizations that really do drive, you know, quality measurement or measurement development in healthcare, um, and partner with those organizations to understand the perspectives of their leaders, to understand the perspectives of their researchers and their measures developers, and then to pull all of that evidence together in a collective way to uh, create a framework. And so that was the way in which we you know, decided to do the work. And, and, and so, you know, it, it was important to us to create something that wasn't just our voice, but was the representation mm-hmm. of national voices that understand equity and patient-centered measurement. With all that being said, I can't tell you that I've learned anything new, right? Uh, but it was important for us to come together uh, to ensure that we vetted and validated our own thinking Right, mm-hmm. and that we weren't pushing perspective yeah. equity, right? Um, that others would say, you know what, that you know that seemed a little biased, you know, uh, uh, to me, Natasha. And so I think that you know we did it in a respectful and dignified way, um, mm-hmm. and, and and that, like I said, is supported by you know those that that own this. I don't know, Desiree, you did you learn something? Yeah, I, I- I, you know, I wasn't, I'll, I'll say this, I wasn't surprised in the essence of, oh, wow, you know, we heard something that was so different from our aligned thinking. What was surprising to me was that, you know, we were all kind of thinking the same things, but no one was really putting it out there, so to speak. So, you know, we've been doing this work for a minute and we all have internal conversations and we're all kind of like-minded thinkers, but it was nice, I'll say, to hear others in the field had those same concerns and were seeing the same things that we were seeing. And then I also add that when we did the interview, you know, it was really straightforward questions. We did not push our biases on them. So we kind of sent them the question, you know, asked them the questions and took a pause and really let them speak and not really give them any of what my internal feelings and my other um, co-interviewer on them so it was really authentic in that space it's their voice that came through the theory of change so let me uh, let me tell you the one thing and this is from uh desiree's uh commentary the one thing that i will say was the shift for me and that was the fact that as a result of doing this exercise i became all the more unapologetic about the voice and the way the issue needed to be articulated. Um, what I became very much aware of was the fact that in, you know, you talked about decades of work, you know, that we've been doing that uh, in earlier decades, you know, my approach was probably a little bit softer. Um, mm-hmm. My delivery was probably a little bit more shaped um, and postured uh, in a way that, um, uh, uh, I, I'd say that I'm all, you know, for the most part, you know, always politically correct and, and, and polite in my delivery, but, uh, I may not have been as apt to use very distinct 
and curt and to the point, concrete words um, mm-hmm. that, you know, we use to, to shape this, this particular uh, piece. And uh, it's part and partial because it's like enough already, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We've been doing this for a very long time. We've been studying this. I haven't heard anything new. And so, you know, if you are really game and ready to drive more equitable outcomes, then you will come with an open heart, uh, ready and willing to receive uh, uh, the message. And so that's the one thing that I can say uh, was mm-hmm. exercises is the way in which we posture it. Mm-hmm. Go bold or go home. <laughs> that should be the title of this episode go bold or go home i want to first of all thank you both i want to encourage people to go to atwhealth.com and check out more you know what i thought you were going to say you know oftentimes surprises come when you know there's an issue um sometimes when you look under the hood you sometimes discover it's worse than we thought um and there's some amazing organizations, including yourself, that helped, like you said, you brought the Duke Center for Health Policy, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. There's so many people and organizations that you gather like a wide breadth of, of um, feedback on for this. So I want to thank you all for doing this and taking the time to do this deep and answering and going into some of these tough questions that, that plague the healthcare system. So thank you both. and. Um, Go to atwhealth.com. Are there any last final words uh, from either of you? Um, well, the one thing that I'll say uh, in, in parting is that we have a lot of work, you know, ahead of us in order to, uh, you know, uh, move our future state of um, healthcare delivery in uh, a manner that, um it is uh, more patient-centered and and both more more equitable, and so uh, this work, you know, is you know it, it's work over the long run. This is not you know just a paper, and we think that you know we can you know create a three or five year plan around it, and and you know it kind of takes care of itself. This is something you know that will require um, you know even more decades of work. Uh, to to uh, more correctly, uh, you know, ensure that it's implemented. And so, um, you know, I'm just hopeful that, uh, you know, the, the hype around equity mm-hmm. uh, does not uh, diminish, you know, over uh, the next year or even couple of years as, uh, you know, as we get more controls around COVID and the pandemic uh, and that people do, uh, see the issue uh, for its long-term impact on uh, particular populations and are ready and willing to, to make the investments towards, you know, a better American healthcare delivery system. Thank you, Dr. Washington. Thank you, Desiree. Thank you to also Ellen Schultz, Haladura and Karen Frazier. I I think co-authored it with you. Uh, Desiree, any, any last words? You know, Natasha said it best. It is a commitment. And, you know, give us a call. Let's let's get working. Thanks, everyone. Check out ATWHealth.com to learn more. And thank you all. Follow the PPIC community online at 
atwhealth.com. 